welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Gada, we're still talking about the first stage, search for opportunity, and the same role, challenging the status quo. I'm beginning to feel that we're covering this role in two episodes to do it justice. It would only be fair to our listeners who come from different leadership levels and backgrounds than we do to do so. In fact, we've received some questions and comments which I'd like to reflect on through our discussion around what does this challenging role look like from an ordinary individual perspective. And perhaps we can go into a topic that faces everybody worldwide as as a way of uh, explaining this. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Martin, for, for this uh, explanation. I, I felt the same, that uh, we have to address each role from different levels of leadership, whether it's in organizations or in social uh, context, or just being an individual who wants to influence others and um, build followers. One of the uh, questions that I get a lot, and it is related in many cases to climate change. Now, you know, we don't want to go into any sort of political discussions here. We're going to use this as an example to explain uh, well, how a neo-charismatic leader will approach it versus somebody else. But the, the question I get asked is, so, so what kind of change or what kind of challenge should I instigate or should I, ch- should I look for to be a leader in? What the first thing that I do is I'd say there are three aspects to consider here. The first one is the amount of change. So do you need an adjustment? Do you need a a major change? Do you need a fundamental redesign? Or do you need to completely disrupt something? Okay. Um, The second then, of course, is your approach to this. And the third is the tools or the method that you use to do it. So, So let's go first to the the level of change. When a neo-charismatic leader is looking for change or, or just comes across some opportunity to make a change, how would they determine whether they have to disrupt, redesign, change, or just make an adjustment? What would you say? First of all, as a leader, they have to first assess their own environment which is the role number one. So is this something that falls into their expertise, their vision, their strategy for, for their own career, for their own um, personal uh, vision in life? Uh, it, does it affect the people they love, the people they care about, or does it affect the people in their organization uh, or, or just the people they live, uh, in, you know, with them in their communities? So th- this kind of assessment is important. And then they start looking around and seeing who is uh, uh, around them that part of it, that will take part of it, because it could be their families, it could be their colleagues, it could be their peers, it could be just people they meet on the street every day um, who live around them. It's important because uh, there is no uh, movement without rebel effect. 
anything you do, anything you say will have uh, effect on others. Uh, and then they will come to the decision whether this challenge is going to be um, a drastic uh, major challenge in that community that will disrupt, or is it just some kind of a, a, a smooth movement that will help people understand uh, a specific uh, value area. If we take your example, would it be uh, them being part of conversations or a meetup group or somewhere where they can, um, you know, vote for something? Or is it uh, that they're going to write about it? Or what kind of uh, challenge they want to pose? And when we talk about challenge, there is always uh, a group that will be with you and a group that will be against you. And, and there's people who are not sure whether to follow you or not. Is the challenge about you standing out or is it about you influencing? And you, when you look at new charismatic leadership, the whole thing about uh, this style is influencing others. And, and bringing about transformation in a positive, altruistic, ethical way. So if you put that in, in this context, you cannot ignore the fact that whatever decision you make, it's not about you. It's not about you becoming famous or, or being the, the leader, inflicting change. Yes, yes, because we are asking all of our listeners to consider themselves leaders and then to go on and be leaders. Um, so that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to lead the entire world against climate change. No, but what it does mean is that are you going to be a leader in your community? Um, are you going to be the leader uh, for the sake of you believing that it's the correct thing to do as opposed to wanting to be seen as a leader? Um, and so, so this is exactly where I go in the deeper coaching discussions that I have. Mm. And I say to, to people, okay, if you believe that a total disruption is the right way to go, and, you know, we, we've seen some environmentalists that have, have, got, have become quite drastic mm. in their um, fight for climate change, uh, because they say, you know, the, the world is not sustainable the way we're treating it, and, and we won't survive. Well, yeah, that's a pretty big issue. <laughs> Everybody yeah, and, in the yeah, world is interested yeah, in yes, it, right? Of course, yeah. But, you know, if I cannot get all of the other people in the world to, to agree and to do something about it, then it doesn't matter. It's going to end anyway, right? So I, as a near charismatic leader, have got to make sure that I am doing the right thing by setting the example and then building from that. So, when I say disruption or a minor adjustment, okay, no, I can't go around changing the way that countries do their farming or the way that countries generate their electricity and things like that. That, yeah. that clearly is something that has to be done at, at a, a governmental level and an intergovernmental level. But what yeah. I can do and what I've noticed over the last five years is, you know, <clears throat> um, I've stopped getting reusable cups at Starbucks, for example. <laughs> and yeah. I, I take my own cup now at least 70% of the time. Um, I don't buy plastic bottles when I can help it. Uh, it's got to the point now that I'm so used to doing that and people are so used to seeing me do that. I now get angry when I get plastic packaging back from the grocery store that isn't necessary. So now mm -hmm. 
you know, five years ago, I didn't think about it. In the last three years, I've really been thinking about it. And now I'm writing to grocery stores saying this packaging is too wasteful and too destructive. Please come up with something else. Right. So that's an example of me exercising my rights to, to say this isn't good enough. And people, if they want to check on me, they can look at the way I live and they'll see that that is, that is, um, following what the goal that I want, which is to reduce the effects of global warming. So perhaps, and, you know, perhaps if I was younger, it would be, it would be a bit different and I have a different perspective, but, you know, I might have the energy to go out and get a group that goes around and educates people in, in, um, in a community in their, in their town or something like that, you know, that is going to win people over and that is going to affect the, dis- the ultimate disruption that we want that will cause us to take global warming seriously. Whereas just being confrontational, and this is of course the second point that I was going to go on to, uh, the <clears throat> just being confrontational actually turns as many people off as it, as it is excites. It's going to have the absolute opposite effect. It's asking people to let go of their comforts. This is where it becomes dangerous. You're, you're asking them to change their values without going through the process of changing their beliefs. Exactly. You have to address their belief system. And I remember when I started um, doing things um, around the environment, because remember, I, I started uh, in 1998 uh, doing my master's degree in education for sustainability, and it was a huge learning for me to go through that course. And I was raising my kids. My 13-year-old daughter does not want to use a straw because she knows that straw will stick into a fish throat and kill it. But the thing is, we have to do it in a way that helps people understand because this is when they start doing something about it. Right. And, and that's where the second piece comes in. So what approach are you going to take? If you're going to be this near charismatic leader and you, you again, like anything, there's a sort of an extreme left and an extreme right to this, you know, and a scale in between. So uh, are you going to use a confrontational approach, um, instigative in that you want people to just start doing things encouraging or perhaps just empowered? In other words, when I talk to people who I'm coaching, I say, you know, the people that you're leading already can make this change by themselves. Are you, are you making sure they are empowered to make it? Whereas on the other side of the, of the coin, are you going to have to confront people? And if you're going to confront people, you know, how are you going to confront them, but then still win them over at the end? So if you confront them for the sake of confrontation, you're probably going to turn them away from what you want. But if you confront them with an idea, and this will lead to the third piece, if you confront them with an idea, right, and then they will sort of stop and consider the idea, you know, you've got their attention because you confronted them. And now your approach dramatically drops into sort of instigation. So for example, you know, did you know how many dolphins were killed every year through, you know, these huge plastic chains that form in the sea? Um, and that if we all stopped drinking out of plastic bottles, we could stop this in 10 years. Well, 
that's not an impossible ask. So, yeah. so I can say, you know, I can actually do something about that. And, and I think it was one of my children telling me that story five years ago that has now caused me to, and, and my family and it, 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 the whole family to start asking questions like, why is that in a plastic bottle? Um, you know, is a glass bottle better? We don't know. It's certainly re- more, more recyclable and could, could be better. But again, I need to know a little bit more information, but I'm certainly willing to question whether I should have had that plastic bottle. So, so that's, that's a change that's happening. Exactly. And doing the, the thing I said about uh, influencing people's beliefs, they start to adopt new beliefs that will help them, um, change their values what they value in life, what they want to keep, what they want to let go of, and that influences their behaviors. But as you said, a new charismatic leadership is not just that stage of searching for opportunity. Then there comes this, the second stage where they start formulating a shared vision and articulating that vision. And this is the stage where you start influencing people's beliefs. Yes, and then you indeed. move into the stage where you devise means to achieve the vision, where you act, where you take personal risks and unconventional behaviors and people see you doing this. And this is when they yeah. think this person is serious about it. Yes, that's right. That's what you want. You, you want your followers to believe, because it's true, that you are serious about a subject or a topic. And once they believe that, then they will at least... They were at least open to following you. So this brings me to the third point of my coaching for individuals that are trying to do this. And I would say, remember, the question that I get from them is, is usually, well, should I be all based on data and logic or should I just be driving this with emotion? And the answer, unfortunately, is yes, you have to do both, but you've got to understand why, you know, a, a good leader neo-charismatic or otherwise, a good leader is going to present you with facts and figures and logical arguments, you hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, most people are willing to listen to that. Now, that does depend on the credibility that you have with where that information is coming from. So, for example, if somebody said to me, um, the, uh, uh, <clears throat> the so-and-so vaccine doesn't work, you shouldn't use it. Um, then I'm going to say, okay, so where does that information come from? And I go in and I say, well, okay, there's sort of medical science on one side that has studied this for many, many years. And then there are some people that are questioning it on the other, but there, there's no credentials there. Um, so it doesn't mean I'm going to totally discount it, but I'm more likely to go with the, with the overall consensus of a number of experts, mm-hmm. not one expert. Mm-hmm. That's very important, but the overall consensus of experts. If somebody comes to me, though, and says, okay, I read an article that was written by Al Gore about climate change, then most people are going to say he's dedicated about 20 years of his life to this one topic. Um, I at least will owe it to listen to him. Okay, And he actually is a good orator, so he can get it across. But again, he he's the leader that can get the message across, and he's the leader that by demonstrating in his own behaviors um, some changes, he can get people to emotionally buy into that topic. Um, 
Okay, so I've got all this data and all of these facts in front of me, and now I'm beginning to say, yes, I'll believe them, but that's not going to move people. No, mm. now you have to take that. You realize your leaders, you, you're leading and people are following you. Now you've actually got to turn that around and use your emotive power to get them to do something. So I cut down my usage of plastic bottles last year by 70%. How are you doing? Okay, well... Wow, there's a challenge, isn't it? There's a little bit of data there, the 70%. But actually, nobody's going to question you. If you say so, they're probably going to say, I didn't cut mine by anything, so I could do better than that, right? And that's where the emotive side comes in. You have to balance this. You can't just go in and immediately start complaining to somebody that they're not doing enough um, or they're not doing the right thing. Absolutely. You're right. You have not got into their belief system. You're still threatening their current situation instead of giving them an opportunity to change something that needs to be changed. You're addressing the behaviors. You're not addressing the cause. The cause is what they, in their core, they believe in. That's right. So when we talk about new charismatic leaders, it's not just the role itself that stands out. It's the whole concert the whole behavioral roles together with the model itself from stage to stage, it's interwined. And remember, we spoke about, uh, you know, a leader moving from one stage to another uh, sequentially or jumping um, unsequentially. Yes. Like from from stage one to stage three and then going back to stage two and then going back to behavior number one. And then so they're constantly moving around in in a concerted effort to try to achieve that vision and drive everybody around them. So you cannot separate one role on its own. No, and that that's what appears to be daunting to some people. So when I'm when I'm coaching, I remind them first of all that you know, no leader gets this right every time. I mean, many of us just get many things wrong every single day, but we get more things right than we get wrong. And people recognize that in us. Yes. That's the first thing. And the second thing is you do, unfortunately, have to break down leadership into all of these components, into these phases and roles and everything, and to, to understand each one in its own entity. To understand, yes. And then you put it back together in your own whole, what actually makes sense to you. And then when you're there, that's when it has become you. You are being altruistic. Yeah. You are truly following what you believe in and so it, it's the sum of it's the sum of all of these things that we're talking about put together that will help you a find the challenge that you need for the status quo and then as we slowly move into um, how to formulate the shared vision many of these skills are going to come back and we're going to we're going to hit on them again I think we're approaching the end of our episode. I would like to ask our listeners to think about one challenge to implement that role. Mm-hmm. And it means all what we said, assessment, sensing people's needs, a long-term vision, and then come into that space of challenge and see what kind of uh, response you get from others. Yes. How do they interact with you? And the way they interact, take it in assess again, and think about it. 
Yes, I think this is a very valuable exercise because no matter how big or small a topic you pick, the the responses that you get from other people are going to give you a lot of hints as to how you are approaching neo-charismatic leadership. And I think that's going to be of great value to them. Yeah. We're sort of wrapping up the first stage now, the challenging the status quo. And we're going to be moving on in the next uh, set of uh, podcasts to formulating the shared vision. Please continue to send in your comments. We do appreciate them. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Goodbye. Garda and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.